0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, "'It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. "'Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath "'rather than to do evil, "'to save life rather than destroy it?' "'But they, saved, they remained silent, "'looking around at them with anger "'and grieved at their hardness of heart. "'Jesus said to the man, "'Stretch out your hand.' "'He stretched it out on his hand, He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel
1: of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: There's a lot we could talk about, um, not only in that scripture passage, which is very deep with the Sabbath and healing But the first reading and the responsorial psalm today talk about Melchizedek. Now, when I went to seminary, I had no clue who Melchizedek is. All I knew was the name. So, as you know, I'm going to crack open, or I did crack open my seminary notes, went back, and now we're going to take you back to seminary for a full class that I had, not a semester, but a one-day class on Melchizedek. So, I want to share those notes with you because I think this is critically important, and yet we don't know who he is. All right, now, the Jews all believe that the Messiah would be a king, not a priest. This is surprising. This is what the Jews believe the Messiah would be a king, not a priest. And so, the book of Hebrews, which um, has, I think, let's see what chapter here. The first reading is so the book of Hebrews chapter 7, okay? And so the book of Hebrews is important because it's the only place where Jesus is called a priest, not just a king. No, people don't realize that. So when Jesus came to Jerusalem, do you remember when he rode the donkey in? He was hailed, was he not? What was he recognized as? A king, not a priest fact, it wasn't until the Last Supper that anybody thought of him in that way, as a high priest. So Melchizedek is important because he was what? He was the king of Salem, which means peace, and from which comes the word Jerusalem. Kind of a shame how the devil has twisted Salem, Massachusetts, in our very own home state, to be the headquarters of witchcraft and the demonic. Total play. Satan does this all the time. And so he is the first to be given the title Cohen. Do you know anybody with the last name of Cohen? C-O-H-E-N or K-O-H-E-N? In fact, one we work with up in our neighboring town is a Cohen. That's actually the priestly name. That's the priestly name of the Jews. And so this priestly Cohen is in the Old Testament, means priest of God most high. So now here comes Melchizedek. What does he do? He blesses Abraham. Now we always think of Abraham as the father of faith, and rightfully so. But when he blesses Abraham, that makes him greater, greater than Abraham and his descendants, Levi and Aaron, for where the line of priests comes. Now, I remember sitting in seminary class going, whoa, how come we don't know more about Melchizedek? He blessed Abraham, meaning he's greater than Abraham and his line of descendants, Levi and Aaron, the line of priests. He was greater because he also received the tithe. Did you catch it when and Alex said that Abraham gave him a tenth? That's where the tradition of tithing of 10% comes from. So he received a tithe which comes from the Levites, okay, who were given no land. They're one of the 12 tribes, right, the Levites. They were given no land, but they were given 10% from the other tribes for their ministerial service. That's why we tithe 10% to the church, because the priests don't own land just like the Jewish tradition from the disciple or from the 12 tribes of Israel. So in the tribe of Levite, they were the priests. They were given a tithe of 10% from the other tribes for their being the ministers, for their ministerial service. The Levites weren't given land. So then Melchizedek is greater than that. And he got, what does he offer? What does Melchizedek offer? Very important. Bread and wine. This is the Eucharistic sacrifice. So in Hebrews, Jesus. This is now we just read in the first reading from Hebrews, Jesus is identified as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Then Paschal and Alex read this as the responsorial psalm. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. That comes from Psalm one ten. So I went back this morning, cracked open my seminary notes, and I'm reading Psalm one ten my goodness. It's full, rich, important. So what does Psalm ten tell, 110 tells us? It says, Melchizedek is the representative of the priestly line through which a king of David's line would come. So this is all foretold. So this representative Melchizedek, it is of his priestly line which a king so now we're talking priests and kings again. And so Psalm 110, verse 4, shows there will be a change in the Levitical priesthood. Aaron. Okay, so Aaron is what the Levites come from, the Levitical priesthood. And there will be a change from that to the Melchizedek order of priests of Christ. Because it says Jesus is a priest in the line of Melchizedek. So that priestly line is switched from the Levites to this line of Melchizedek. But again, who is he? All right? We'll get there. But basically, what is the change? We're going from a sacrifice of animals, from the blood of animals to the sacrifice of the blood of Christ. Okay? No more animals. And then it says that Melchizedek has no beginning or end, if you listened to Alex. And now what does that mean by beginning or end? Does it mean that he never died? Well, okay, Melchizedek was not restricted by age limits. Do you know that there was an age limit in the Aaronic priesthood, A-A-R-O-N-I-C, the the line of Aaron? There was a uh, age limit. There was an age limit. Priests could only be from 30 to 50. But here, Melchizedek had no age limits. Neither did Jesus. Jesus would be a priest forever. No age limit. Unlike the Levitical priests of the Old Testament. So the law of Moses said only also that male descendants of Aaron could be commissioned as priests. This is the line of Levi. All right. So Melchizedek was actually appointed priest directly by God. All right. Aaron in his line, the priests came by blood. God didn't choose them. It was automatic. If you were born in this line, you were a priest. Christ was chosen by God. Melchizedek was prior to that line of Levites. And so Hebrews tells us Jesus is the priest in the order of Melchizedek, as we just read in the response to psalm. Because like Melchizedek, he was not a descendant of Aaron. What line did Jesus come from of the 12 tribes? Judah, the tribe, the line of Judah. Now, here's what's interesting. They were not priests. So how do you put this all together, Father? I remember sitting in seminary class, all confused. And then all of a sudden, it made sense, and here's why. So Jesus, like Melchizedek, was not of Aaron and would not actually qualify for the Jewish priesthood. Why do you think that would be? Because God was establishing a new priesthood. The priesthood that we have today. The priesthood of his church. Jesus is the Messiah. And as the Messiah has a right to a priesthood predating the Jewish Aaronic priesthood, it's greater. That's why Jesus isn't of the line of Aaron. Because he formed a new priesthood that actually predated the Jewish priesthood. It's greater. We never learn this. And, And sharing this, my seminary with you, I hope can make sense. Because Genesis, now let's go to the book of Genesis, implies that the order of Melchizedek is this patriarchal order of the priesthood. So he's, this is mentioned in, in, in Genesis. Hebrews is just repeating what is mentioned in Genesis. And it says that this order of Melchizedek is this order of priesthood that functioned for many centuries before the ordination of Aaron. It is the original form of priesthood. It's greater. It's different than the Jewish line. And so priestly authority was rooted in the authority structure of what? What? The family. Now this is the thing. The priestly authority as it existed for the Jews in the line of Aaron was rooted in the authority of the structure of the family. Blood. The son became the new priest. The father did the worship and then the firstborn son took over his ministerial duties. You know why this is many people believe who Melchizedek was? Shem the firstborn of Noah. Now, Scott Hahn holds that position. Others sometimes. So Melchizedek may be, we don't know for sure, may be the first son of Noah, Shem. And it makes sense because in those days, they lived a lot older. And Shem was 465 years old when Abraham was 75. This is all through the, lit- the uh, biblical genealogy. It's, it's all there. The genealogy in Genesis shows that Shem lived past Abraham. So, could this be Melchizedek? I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch those old reruns of the show In Search of. You know, I would find these things. So, In Search of Melchizedek, you know. So, basically, Shem was given the priesthood. Do you know what the word priesthood in Hebrew is? Kahuna, the big kahuna. We hear that term. Nobody knows what it means. Kahuna means in Hebrew priesthood. And it was given by receipt of his father, Noah. So Shem was given the priesthood. Handed down to him by his father, Noah. Now this form of priesthood is based on, as we said, the natural order of the family in an earthly sense. Blood. This models, in a sense, heaven. Because who is Jesus? The firstborn son of God. He's not born in the sense of his divinity, but in his humanity. And we could say in his divinity, he is the son of God. So it makes perfect sense that the second person of the Trinity is the priest. Because the priesthood was handed on to the son. But now we have it eternally, not just earthly. And I'm sitting in seminary class going, wow, this all makes sense. And so confusion has always been over Melchizedek being both a king and a priest. But that is actually solved by knowing that Shem was also from the line of David. He was also a king or a progenitor, progenitor of the line of David. He wasn't from the line of David. He actually began the line of David. So Shem was not just a priest, Shem was also a king. And that's why we know Jesus, when he came, was priest, prophet, and king. Everybody knew him as a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet's a teacher. Everybody in the scriptures, when Jesus was still alive, called him a prophet or a teacher. Teacher, tell us. But then he came as a king when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He was honored as a king. The king when he entered Jerusalem, Salem, peace. But nobody saw him as a priest until the Last Supper. And that completed his three offices, a priest, prophet, and king. So for most of the Old Testament, priests and kings were of different lines. Right? Kings were the line of David. Priests were the line of Levi. Or the Judah, I should say, David, Judah. And Levite were the priests. They were different lines. They were different families. Aaron and his descendants were from the tribe of Levi. They were the priests. David and his descendants were from the tribe of Judah. They were the kings. Now, Jesus, we know, came by blood from the line of David. So how did he become priest? In the line of Melchizedek. Not the line of Levites. Amazing. So to finish, in the order of Melchizedek... The firstborn wears both of those crowns, priest and king. The Messiah to the Jews was a king. Now Jesus is teaching them I am the Messiah, I am also priest. Wow. So the priesthood of Melchizedek is more effective because it required a single sacrifice. Jesus. So the priest of Melchizedek was a sacrifice of bread and wine. Wait a minute. Isn't that the sacrifice of Christ? Father, wait a minute. Did Melchizedek, what was his sacrifice? It says bread and wine. He offered one sacrifice. We offer bread and wine as the one sacrifice of Christ. And so the priest of Melchizedek is more effective because it was that one single sacrifice. Of bread and wine. The Levites made endless sacrifices of animals. The line of Melchizedek is greater. In Genesis 14, Melchizedek, as I said, offers a sacrifice of bread and wine. We do this at every Mass. The ministry of Melchizedek in Salem foreshadows the ministry of Christ in the heavenly Jerusalem. Melchizedek was the earthly Jerusalem foreshadowing the ministry of Christ in the heavenly Jerusalem. Bread and wine, critical. In the heavenly sanctuary, Jesus offers his Father his body and blood. Tells us in Hebrews, the sacrifice, bread and wine. So the sacrifice of bread and wine are the very elements offered in thanksgiving by the priest, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, since his genealogy, genealogy really is completely unknown, is a figure or type of Christ who is eternal. And postulant Alex was just telling me in one of the Gnostic accounts, which we gotta be careful, we don't, they're not inspired, so we don't follow them as dogmatic. But it said Melchizedek in that Gnostic tradition was born of a virgin now again we don't see that as inspired that's not of the holy spirit but it's interesting that there was a connection made even though we don't see it as as biblical truth it is interesting to me to see that there was already a connection and so today let us honor the priesthood despite our mistakes despite our stupidity Despite our weaknesses, you know, this morning um, I, I've been trying to exercise. And I'll finish with this. Uh, my doctor basically tells me if I don't exercise, I'm not going to live. I, I, my heart condition and my blood clots, and, and and he's the doctor's just been yelling at me over and over. You gotta, you gotta exercise. So I've been trying different things. And I got it in the morning into the gym, but before I go, I, I do my prayers. And I got so discouraged because I'm like, Lord, I'm failing. I'm failing in this area. I'm failing in this area. I said this stupid. I did this that was dumb. And so I go into the gym um, and I, 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 I usually turn on the radio there just to have something going when, as I'm exercising. And I, I'm sitting there on the bench and I'm just so discouraged because I'm like, Lord, I can, I just keep failing, trying to be the priest you want me to be. And all of a sudden, on the radio came on that Alan Jackson song, I'll Try. And the whole song is I'll Try. And I stopped and I listened, and it says, To love only you. Now, obviously, he wrote that in some secular sense about his girlfriend or wife or whatever. But for a priest, who is our spouse? It's the church, it's the body of Christ. And so I was listening to that song, I'll Try. I'll try to love only you and to be true to you. And I remember saying, I felt like inspiration because I said, Lord, that's all I can do and you can work with that. And I got inspired because you know what? The quote that popped into my mind instantaneously, a great quote that you should always think of when you get discouraged. Saints are simply sinners who keep on trying. Saints are simply sinners who keep on trying. So while we cannot be great like Melchizedek or the high priest Jesus, all we can do is try. And if God sees that, he can do the rest. And that applies to you as the laity, just as much as me